You're listening to World Found, a podcast about belonging in an age of social isolation and disconnection. I'm your host, Tim Coons. You're joining us for our graveyard walk of Lynn Grove Cemetery. We'll be hearing stories of legacy and history and even vigilante justice of a town villain. This tour of a graveyard is just in time for Halloween, though our walk here will be more about remembrance and honoring the dead than anything spooky. We were led on the tour by Gaberi Haginimana, a junior this year at Greeley Central. She did this workplace internship through the school, was surprised to find herself working at a cemetery, and just as surprised to find she loved being there for a summer job. Special thanks to Peggy Ford of the Greeley History Museum for extra information in this episode, as I give a lot of historical highlights during this show. You should check out the History Museum's unmentionable collection there on display in Greeley. It includes interesting and even creepy items like a necklace of human hair, an embalming table, and wipe-out Hitler toilet paper. It's open through June of next year, but would make a great Halloween season outing. As always, this show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. Find out more at weldcommunityfoundation.org. Let's start the show. How do you hope to be remembered? What do you want your legacy to be? Go, right? <laughs> Gosh, that's a big question. Yes. Um, I don't know. By like just the way that I treated people and like how they felt cared for. Thank you. I'm yeah, I would say something similar, just like I want people to remember like that I was kind and that I was loving and yeah, how I made them feel. Yeah. Thank you. So randomly at John Galt Coffee Shop, a great local hangout in Greeley, Colorado, I started approaching people with this question. How do you hope to be remembered? What do you want your legacy uh, to quick be? Quick answer. How do I like my legacy to be known? Uh, someone that is always there for people, that loves unconditionally, and will give you the shirt off their back if you need it. That was a good high five. <laughs> That's a good one. Meaningful relationships. The first thing that pops in my head is my kids. My kid. Yep. Um, do more than that? <laughs> I would want to be remembered as somebody that lived their life for Jesus. Oh boy. The long pause is not me doing a bit. I just, I just, I just drew a blank. Um, boy, I think I would like to say being thoughtful or creative or, or funny and entertaining. Um, Entertain, yeah, entertaining people and, and, and perhaps helping people feel a little bit more joyful. The answers were so meaningful, thoughtful, and worth sharing here. The question itself tends to be a clearing one. It makes you focus and quickly get to the heart of what you find to be most important. If I'm only remembered as a good father by my two kids, I will have been a successful man. I'm hoping for more than that, but, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try and knock that one out well. And uh, yeah, You're making me tear up, bro. That's a good answer. <laughs> At this point in my life, I can I can die happy knowing that, or hoping that people have seen that I've tried to create progress, like create some kind of benefit to other people or society, like like I worked to make some kind of positive change. I think I want my legacy to be 
know, the people, you know, the people that I came into contact with, I, I would really want them to be like, he, he loved me well and made me feel, made me feel like loved and, and known at the same time, you know, because like, I feel like, like, you know, it's one thing to be loved and not feel seen, but I think if I can make people feel loved and seen, even in the areas that they don't love about themselves, then I think that that's the legacy that I would like to live, to leave, so. The question actually came from my oldest daughter, Lucy. In just a moment, we're going to be heading into our graveyard tour. This is our Halloween episode of Weld Found. While walking through these headstones and monuments, Lucy asked this question. Like, what does it mean by legacies? And it hit me. Those are the stories we're hearing while on the tour. Stories of legacy and remembrance. This is how we recount people of the past. And so, in a moment, you'll be hearing stories of people beloved in their community. People who gave back economically or culturally in great ways. We'll hear stories of the entrepreneurial spirit and people who founded cities. We'll hear stories of mystery and tragedy and heroics and innovation. We'll even hear the accounting of a town villain. Pioneers, business leaders, activists, writers, scientists, and corrupt politicians, it's all their legacy, how they're remembered. Friends, how do you hope to be remembered? We'll keep that question with us as we explore the history of this place we call home, touring a cemetery established in 1874. Welcome, friends, to Weldfound. Listen to that. What? The birds. Yeah. Isn't that pretty? Yeah. Do they still use? Does this mean? Do they still bury people here? I believe so. What's it called? Lynn Grove. Come here, read this. Lynn Grove Cemetery. What is it? It was a beautiful day in late August when we toured the cemetery. Lynn Grove is the ideal type of place you'd see in the movies with its dramatic scenery. It's just perfect. Stretching out 66 acres, it's a large graveyard with a historic beauty to it. The trees are large, the flowers are established. It has those places in the grass where the terrain is uneven because this isn't newly laid sod, this is old earth. It's manicured enough to be beautiful, but wild enough, old enough to carry a rich character. Also, it's a great place to go if you're wanting to know your home and history. This podcast, Weld Found, is all about belonging in an age of disconnection. And Lindgrove Cemetery holds many stories that connect us to our past. Our tour guide was Gaberi Haganimana. Gaberi took myself, my daughter Lucy, and my mom and dad who were in town for the weekend on a Saturday morning tour. And also accompanying Gaberi was Jackie Bonilla, assistant caretaker of Lindgrove. You'll hear all their voices at certain times during our walk. So, Gaberi, tell me a little bit about yourself. You're at the high school? Yes. What high school do you go to? I go to Greeley Central High School. Okay. I am a junior this year. Okay. I'm in chamber choir. Oh, and, cool. Um, I like to play tennis and softball. And this year I would be taking my first med program class at Ames to earn my CNA. Oh, okay. Um, cool. That you, so you're starting that up this year? Yes, Monday, actually. That's when oh, I start. Oh, cool. 
Well, congrats. That's that's a neat deal. Now, are you from Greeley originally? No, um, I was born in Tanzania, Africa. Okay. And then I lived in Maryland for a while before I came to Colorado. Okay. What yeah. brought your family out from Tanzania? Um, my brother needed heart surgery. His uh, aorta ruptured, okay. so he had to go through a bunch of surgery while he was young. Uh huh. So it left him deaf and hard of speaking. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so we, he can read lips, so I'm not really good at signing anymore. Okay, <laughs> okay. Gabiri yeah. immediately switched from informal to professional guide in an instant, which I loved, even though there was only myself, my daughter, and my mom and dad. <laughs> all right, well, give us your spiel. You can just kind of take us through stuff, and if it's all right, we'll probably ask you questions as we go. Of course. Yeah. Okay. So, welcome to Lynn Grove Cemetery. I am your tour guide for today. My name is Gabir Haginimana. Before we start, I would like to list off a few guidelines while we're on the tour. Please be careful if you leave the roadway, especially in the older section, even in a cemetery as well. So my mom and dad, my daughter and I followed Gabiri for 2.2 miles in over an hour and 45 minutes, this very meaningful tour. We began in one of the soldiers' fields of buried veterans with graves dating back all the way to the Civil War. Uh, in this block and in block 14, we have our two soldiers field, but these are not the only soldiers field. We have one further on in the older section, our Civil War section. And in this block, we have soldiers who fought in Vietnam, Korea, etc., all kinds of war. And many of them didn't die in war. Many of them were brought home, got to live a long life, and were brought here to rest. Um, over here on this stone, it says, to the memory of our fallen comrades, our unsoldiers dead. And it goes out to all the soldiers that are unknown. Many of them, we don't have a lot of unknown soldiers buried here, but we would love to, we'd love to respect all the soldiers who are unknown. Um, so the next family we're gonna see. Or uh, from, or where there was the name change stuff, but yeah. when, when was the cemetery established? Uh, June, was it June 1st, 1874, when okay. the city bought it. Okay. So the original cemetery used to be where the UC Center, the University Center uh -huh. at UNC is yeah. now. And they moved actually 29, was it 29 people originally that were buried uh, there? 24 people. 24 people yeah. and they moved them here. Okay. Wow. And they were not brought all at once. They were brought over like several years ago. Over there we have Loretta Chapelo. Uh, may, many of you may know Chapelo Arts Magnet School. Yeah. Uh, it's named after her in her honor. She worked there for 36 years. She was very loved by many of the teachers and students when she worked there. Hmm. Does that mean you like spiders too? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like picking up daddy long legs. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 so we have re arrived to the Montfort family. Uh -huh. uh, you are allowed to step on the grass and get a closer look if you feel feel, feel free to. Mm -hmm. um, so over here we have Kenneth Montfort. Uh, he died in 2001, but his wife has not passed yet. Uh, she is still alive. The Montfort family were the founders of the Montfort feedlot. Uh, they were a big benefactor to Greeley and Enterprise. Uh, they were also, like I said, one of the donors for the Bell Tower. And um, the Montfort, the University of Northern Colorado Montfort School is actually named after Kenneth Montfort. And for all you sports fans, uh, Dick and Charlie, do you know who the, they are, the mm -hmm. owners of? Mm -hmm. The Colorado Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome! Yeah, it's really cool. And um, the Montfort Park is actually af named after them in their honor as well. Mm -hmm. And now they're more than 
more mom for oh yes yes yeah so they pretty much very all of them are buried here mm -hmm. yeah not all of them have passed yet yeah oh, look. so samuel kent brownlee was a was a, a well county sheriff deputy officer he was killed on the line of duty on november 23rd uh 2010. um he was actually the first officer to die on the line of duty. Okay, a highway patrolman or? Uh, no, he he's a, a sheriff. Yeah, yeah, and he died on the line of duty. Yeah, and he, he even has his uh, badge in here too. Yeah. Um, so I heard a story that happened after he passed. Um, after he passed, his patrol car went on to auction and his children wanted to buy it to have a piece of their father's memory with them. And turns out there was another man auctioning for that car too and he was auctioning against them. So he ended up winning the car and he paid over 61K to get the car. And I thought, I hadn't finished the story and I was kind of devastated and sad. And I was like, this car belongs to the kids. They need to have it, it was their father's. But then after finishing the story, it turns out he gave the car to them. And then my thought was, he gave the car to them because he saw that they shouldn't have to pay for something that truly belonged to them. It was their father's and it should have been passed down to them and they didn't have to pay for something that they deserved and it was quite beautiful. Yeah, and his family is also here as well. When I die, I want to be buried in a place where you can plant things because I want to be, be I want to have a tree planted, like a little tree, and oh, so nice. that I can be like, even my death would be more growing. Oh yeah, that is really beautiful. So That's now we're going to head up to the time. So we have arrived to the Meeker family. Right. This is one of the Meeker blocks. Like uh, Jackie said, there's a lot of Meekers um, over here in the cemetery. So you can come onto the grass. Uh, on this stone, it says, born July 12, 1814, died at White River Massacre, September 29, 1875. He was the founder of the Union Colony and town of Greeley in 1870. Um, so what it means by the White River Massacre, he was actually murdered at the age of 62 years old. Several men of his were also murdered. He was actually the founder of the Greeley Tribune and the founder of Greeley. And he also was the founder of a place called the Indian Agency. At the time of the massacre, that was destroyed. I don't know if they rebuilt it or if it still exists, but it was destroyed at the time. Um, him and his wife, his wife and daughter were also kidnapped at the time, but they were got lucky and were released 24, 28 days later. And this is his wife right here. And his daughter is actually buried back here, Josephine Meeker. I want to read this real fast, because this is fascinating. Josephine Meeker, which is the daughter. I'm not sure who wrote it. Because he because he would have died. Yeah, maybe it was his mother. Maybe the mom mother. Yeah. and her voice. Mm -hmm. Josephine Meeker, born January 28th, 1857, died December 20th, 1882. Brave daughter who with me escaped foul death while captives in thy noble father's slayer's hands. A stealthier foe has filched thy sweet young breath while lonely here. I watch life's failing sands. After reading Josephine Meeker's epitaph and seeing the burial site, 
I wanted to dig in a bit more about the founder of Greeley, which is the county seat of Weld County, because it's a fascinating story. Nathan Meeker was born in Ohio, and he was actually 52 years old when he came out west in 1869. He gave up his job as agriculture editor of the New York Tribune four years after its publisher, Horace Greeley, popularized that quote, go west, young man, and grow up with the country. Horace Greeley was the money behind the project, but he only visited the town once in 1870. Meeker wanted to found a union colony, a utopian religious farming cooperative. Those are words I've really never strung together. Utopian religious farming cooperative. The cooperative would be held to seven principles, temperance, cooperation, education, irrigation, faith, agriculture, and family. Meeker posted an ad in the New York Tribune asking for literate people of high moral standards for this new settlement. He received 3,000 applicants and took with him 610 to head west and grow up with the country. In the region, Meeker led the digging of what's called now Ditch Number Three, an expensive endeavor which innovatively brought this region much needed water, but he couldn't make the colony a financial success. And so when Horace Greeley died a few years later, the creditors came to collect the debt from Meeker of $1,000. Rather than declare bankruptcy for a third time, Meeker took a new post near the Union Colony at an Indian agency. This agency worked with the Ute American Indians, and though he got the job through connections, he really lacked experience in this area. While living among the White River Utes, Meeker tried to extend his policy of religious and farming reforms. He'd founded a whole town on this after all. But the Utes lived a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. And so in addition to forcing a new way of agricultural life on them, Meeker had also been attempting to convert them to Christianity. One day in 1879, just 10 years after founding Greeley, Meeker angered the Utes by plowing a field they used to graze and raise horses. This started what was known as the White River Massacre, one of the last wars between American Indians and new settlers. It's where Nathan Meeker's trip out west came to an end. So the next person we will be heading to is William Baring. He was a NASA uh, astrophysicist. <laughs> cool. You like space? I love it. Me too. a NASA astrophysicist for 45 years. He was born in Florida, but went to Colorado University and Stanford University. He actually helped create uh, the spectrometer instrument, which helped examine light rays that determined the composition of the universe. And his work was so important that it's actually displayed in the Smithsonian in Washington, DC. Hey, Eaton. Is this the founder of Eaton? It's actually named after him. Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't find it. Uh, he was a, 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 a governor in Greeley, Colorado. Mm -hmm. uh, he was the one who actually helped uh, Meeker uh, come settle down in Greeley. He was the one who wrote to Meeker and said, you have to come down here urgently and be the founder of Greeley, Colorado. So over here we have Grace Narcass Ellen. 
Uh, if you guys know Ellen Park, it's named after her in her honor. She was uh, a really poet and historian, and she was uh, the, she served as the deputy treasurer as well. A touch more about Grace Norcross Allen. Originally from Pennsylvania, Grace came to the Union Colony with her parents when she was a child in 1870 as a pioneer, a part of those 610 that Nathan Meeker first brought to the area. She became a journalist, one of the first female journalists in Colorado. She was also a world traveler, had a brief stint in politics, and owned a large farm outside Johnstown for many years. Grace was known as one of Greeley's most colorful figures and had a long series of popular articles on pioneer life, which had appeared in the Tribune for many years. I asked Peggy Ford, she runs the Greeley History Museum, for more info about Mrs. Allen, and she wrote me this. Tim, we have a collection of Mrs. Allen's writings in the archives of the Greeley History Museum, cow country recollections and early colony days, and our Weld County neighbors contain early history of this area. As a journalist with an interest in local history and the world, Mrs. Allen interviewed a lot of pioneers, and her articles preserved priceless information. She would have liked the idea of podcasts. Growing up in Greeley, she knew many people who felt that their stories were engaging and worth preserving. She used her writing skills to memorialize their stories in her newspaper columns. Writing until the end, Grace Allen died in March of 1948, just before almost completing what she called her swan song, a series about cowboys she titled Bow Days. He's the, the oldest buried. grave, gra yeah. oldest buried that on record. Yes. We have arrived to New Eyes. He died June 3rd, 1874, the day when the cemetery was first opened. Um, he was 39 years old, he was pretty young. And he was the first recorded internment, June 6, 1874, Lynn Cemetery. So we're gonna cut through here to reach uh, our next person. And that is W.D. French. So W.D. French is buried here with his wife. So W.D. French was arrested December 30th, 1888 for killing a man over the cost of flour. So although he had a lot of money and a lot of land, uh, his business practices made him hated by many of the people. And um, when he, he was arrested and was put in jail and he was accused of being a wife beater and for killing his wife after she got sick and telling the townspeople that he would handle it and then she was dead. Um, so when he was arrested, there's many stories that go to this one. The first story is um, a mob broke into the sheriff's home and asked for a key so they can uh, break into his cell. While the other story is the sheriff actually gave them the key and just watched while they took him out. But the next part is all the same. He was taken to near where the courthouse now stands and he was lynched. What so race, um, he was hanged. Mm. And race had nothing to play uh, in this part since he was actually white. Um, 
As a matter of fact, after he was killed, pictures of his body were taken and sent on postcards all over America. Ew. Yeah, and what it was, did he do? He was just a very hated man, oh, and okay. he uh, he killed a man too. And people were afraid he was going to kill somebody else again, so they took, took care him. of it. He just probably yeah, died of the sickness. Look, out, look at his lovely stone. Well, I, mean, I know. Memorial. So he he had wealth. <laughs> Actually, uh, the people I think uh, felt. They didn't feel bad, they just felt <laughs> sorry, and they just saw it as something that needed to happen. So they gave him a nice stone to show that. What was his name, Freenick? Uh, French. No, Wilbur D. French. Wilbur oh, French. French. Or, or W.D. French. So did he kill his wife or did she just die of the senses? Nobody knows. It was rumored. Yeah. But they hung him. Yeah. And uh, this was this was in Greeley, yes. in Greeley area. Yeah, okay. and he was the first and only ever uh, lynching that has happened in Greeley. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, we'd like to add his story. Well, yeah, that's some that's some Greeley gossip right there. That's and good stuff. See the urn on top. Uh huh. Yeah. So that urn actually represents death and mortality. So. Okay. It shows that. They felt bad. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Over here we have Edith Heath, and Heath Middle School is named after her. Okay. So here we have the Farr family. They were one of the largest cattle and sheep families. They were also by far, you see the pun in there, the most influential family in the uh, in city of Greeley. They, huh? I don't see a pun. Oh, yeah, their last name. A pun is like a play on words. <laughs> by far the most influential, like their, the Farr family. <laughs> Uh, they were actually originally from Canada, and they came to Greeley in 1877, and they owned a blacksmith uh, down, down, in downtown Greeley, and uh, W.D. Farr, right here, uh, W.H. Farr, sorry, uh, was instrumental in bringing much-needed water to Greeley, Colorado, and he owned some of the most prosperous uh, ranches in Greeley, Colorado. The Farr family have a rich tradition in Weld County. W.H. Farr, whose grave we stood by, homesteaded in Greeley, 1877. And W.D. Farr was his grandson. W.D. was immortalized as a bronze statue just a few years ago outside the Farr Library. He stands on a pedestal with one hand to the sky cupped and filled with water. Within water is where much of W.D. Farr's legacy resides. Remember the ditch I mentioned earlier, ditch number three? It was in the 30s when W.D. got to know the irrigation and ditch systems of our area and learned about water laws. This eventually led to his involvement in the Colorado Big Thompson Project. By the way, those of you listening in northern Colorado, go get some water from the tap. There's a chance that this water is coming from the Colorado Big Thompson Project, at least supplementally. The project was approved in 1937, and it's a system of high mountain reservoirs on the western slope. Now remember, Fort Collins, Loveland, Greeley, Windsor, were all on the eastern side of the mountains. Just to be clear, these reservoirs on the western slope feed in the Grand Lake and through a network of drains, takes water under the mountains in a 12-mile tunnel to places like Horsetooth Reservoir and Boyd Lake. And it is really where Northern Colorado gets all its supplemental water supply. W.D. Farr had a huge part in this. He understood that water needed to be insured, even during drought seasons. 
He served as an advisor to the U.S. Department of Agriculture under three U.S. presidents, Harry Truman, John Kennedy, Richard Nixon. He passed away in 2007 and now lies near his family in Lynn Grove. The next person we're going to see is Jesus Redarte. <laughs> Over here we have Jesus Redarte. Do you guys know the Redarte Center? Yeah. It's named after him and the park next to the Redarte Center is named after him too. He was a grilly booster for many years and a, a Hispanic activist. And for the Redarte Center, for who may not know, is basically kind of like a, in the summer, it's a summer camp. I went there several, twice uh, when I was younger. Uh, or an after-school program where children can go and their parents can't pick them up right away or um, or where they can get help, more help, uh, get to have fun activities and make new friends and meet new people as well. A bit about Jesus Rodarte, who the center was named for. Jesus was born in Durango, Mexico. He was on his own since age nine and was a stable boy for Pancho Villa. He settled in Texas when he entered the U.S. in 1916. In 1929, he married Pilar Cervantes, and then construction work brought him to Weld County in 1940. Rodarte was a community activist. He volunteered with several agencies and worked for welfare and tenants' rights. A spiritual man, he was known to preach in Greeley's Lincoln Park. When selecting a name for the center, the Recreation Board felt that Rodarte personified, quote, the spirit of unity between old and young and people of all colors. This spirit is what the center should represent. He died April 30th, 1986. Cool. The next people we're going to head off to is the circus train people. You like this? Yeah. This is cool. So the 10 circus men, August 29th, 1884. This is their new stone, actually. Um, so. A train, uh, circus train was heading uh, from Greeley to Fort Collins for another show when it caught on fire. Many of the men were able to get out and actually 10 of them were so were unlucky. Uh, they were so badly burned that nobody could tell who they were so they were, they're all buried here together. Um, and the circus train actually left them and left the investigation and the burial to the city of Greeley. And only in the past year, a resident of Greeley, Patty Morgan, took it in her own hands to find out who the men were, and they're all listed here. Oh, they got the names now? Yeah. And they're all 10 right here? Yes. Burial site of 10 circusmen, August 29th, 1884. An early morning railroad car fire killed 10 men between Fort Collins and Greeley en route to a scheduled performance of Orton's Anglo-American Circus Show. Alexander McLeod, Thomas McCart McCarthy, John Kelly, Frank, Andy Frenchie, George Smithy, Silver Thora, George Kelly. One unknown. This is a K. Yes. Ke Kelly. Yeah. John Kelly, yeah. I hope they find out who it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love this story and the fact that the names have been discovered. After all these years, somebody researched and solved the mystery. Patty Morgan went through the trouble of naming almost every person who died in that fire. We think about the legacy that we want to leave, and for most of us, we want to be known for the love we gave. Maybe we don't need a big tombstone or a grand legacy, but to be buried nameless 
unknown in a random grave with ten others, seems too cruel, almost inhumane. So much so that someone was moved to do the research and then raise the money for a new headstone and say, you will be remembered, your names will be known. There's dignity within that story. So that was our last stop of the tour, and I hope you truly enjoyed it as much as I did. We loved it, it was great. <laughs> it was I hope you enjoyed so it as great. much as I did showing yeah. it to you. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, I hope you have a great day, and yeah. I hope you come to visit the cemetery more often. Absolutely. And there's so many come more Halloween. people you could come to learn about. Yeah. And if you like to get more history, uh, Jackie's always there to help Special thanks to Dave Farrell, a professor at Ames Community College who helped with the sound engineering for this episode. Thanks for the staff of Lingrove Cemetery, Gaberi and Jackie for leading us on the tour, to Peggy Ford of the Greeley History Museum for her extra help. And this sounds strange, but thanks to those featured in this episode. Thank you for your legacy, for how you gave to your community, belonged to your community. I suppose thanks to everyone except for W.D. French. And thanks to the Weld Community Foundation for sponsoring the creation of this work. For information on becoming a fund holder or applying for a grant if you're a nonprofit or looking into scholarships if you're a student, head to weldcommunityfoundation.org. Our next episode, She Escaped, will be releasing in November. It's the heavy and powerful story of Megan Lundstrom, who escaped the sex trade and is now making a difference with the nonprofit Free Our Girls. Thanks for listening to Weld Found.